welcome to the Biz Design Enterprise Architecture Podcast. My name is Will Scott, and in these podcasts, we'll be talking to leaders in the area of enterprise architecture and how they and their teams drive and deliver value to their organizations in advancing strategy, optimizing operations, or reducing and managing risk. In these current difficult times, we will be specifically talking about enterprise architecture and the role it plays in helping organizations and enterprises adapt and respond to the global COVID-19 pandemic. Today, I will be talking to Kishore Kalari. Kishore is Director of Enterprise Architecture and Resiliency at Amram. So let's go to that interview now. Well, Kishore, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled you could join us today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, I know a few people at Amron, and uh, you're new to me. I know you're re- re- relatively new to the organization, but perhaps it'd be good for you to introduce for our listeners Amron, what it does, and also your role within Amron as well. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, excited to join this podcast. So, uh, like uh, you introduced me, my name is Kishore Koduri, and I'm currently working as a Director of Enterprise Architecture and Resiliency with Amron. So Amron is a utility company. Uh, We help with uh, uh, power and gas for Illinois and Missouri. And uh, it is one of the Fortune 500 companies. Uh, Really excited to work with them. Uh, I am currently managing a team of uh, architects working across the organization on enterprise and resiliency capabilities. Okay, well, Amron obviously is one of those critical services that everyone relies upon. Uh, so that we can have power and heat to our homes. So on to the sort of subject of the moment. Um, talk to us a little bit more about the impact the global pandemic of COVID-19 had on Amron, the organization, and um, specifically how what they turned to you to look at and do in, in response to that, that event. Yeah, like we uh, talked a little bit, Amron is one of the critical services. You know, you don't want to have interruption to your power or gas. Those are very critical services. And everybody working from home, it is even more critical to have a uh, a continuous power supply. So these are unprecedented times. It is uh, uh, not something we planned extensively. That being said, uh, Amron is a utility company. So we constantly have storms and other related uh, events. So we have some a, a tabletop exercises. We have extensive understanding on what, how we can continue to provide services in these kind of situations. Uh, but the only difference I would say is uh, those are usually short term, but this is a long term uh, 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 situation. So we are all adjusting. And how do we work from work, uh, work from home, for example? That is not something uh, which is common in utilities industries. I would assume so. Uh, how do we make sure the entire work workforce work from home? Uh, how do we manage uh, uh, the same level of engagement during these times? Uh, so we still need to uh, continue to work on business as usual. So it is something uh, a, a balancing the engagement and uh, uh, co- collaboration on this remote basis and continue to have the business as normal is a challenge. And I think my, my team across Amran, they're doing a fantastic job uh, adapting to this. So it sounds to me, uh, you know, you said you did, you're well used to dealing with short-term disasters and um, and so you have modeled, you know, people working from home. But what you're saying is 
this is now extended. Uh, and so that's something slightly different. It's one thing to have people work remotely for a couple of days. It's another thing for it to be a couple of months. As you look across the sort of the three vectors of people, process and tools, tools meaning technology, um, which you think was the most difficult in accommodating that? I mean, this, was the technology in place, the VPN, you know, the routers, all that was working? Was, it, was this more of a cultural sort of uh, a personal thing? Uh, I think uh, it touches all three components, like you said. Uh, but to the most part, if you have right technology in place, in a way you can compensate for the other two parts of it. Um, I think as an organization, we are learning and growing in those areas, understanding how we can adapt to uh, opening up VPN for those many thousands of users uh, on a constant basis. How do we leverage cloud for many of those operations? How do we do this uh, remote meetings and uh, uh, enable so many connections coming in at the same point? Uh, not only that, a simple thing like uh, we are co- continue to hire now. So we are hiring new people as as these uh, as these processes are going. Uh, the, all the processes are set up to onboard a person in person, right? Like uh, when they come to the office, we give them a laptop and so on and so forth. And how do we do it remotely? That is something new. It is not tested before, but we are uh, we have our internal DTO, that is a uh, our internal organization. They are stepping up and understanding how we do this and. Uh, doing a pilot and expanding it further. So there's a lot of learning and growing happening as we speak. Okay, that's interesting. And I'd never thought of that, of course. Yeah, I, I'm starting to work for you. I need my laptop, I need my onboarding. And so it sounds like this, you know, this is like an extended storm. It's pressure testing elements of your of business continuity resiliency that wouldn't be pressure tested because of a two day storm, but a two month hiatus or a two month, you know, quarantining selling does yeah. get a- absolutely does get if it is a two-day thing like your and your example you can probably push it off but uh, we probably don't know it's a two-month thing or a two-day thing so we need to continue to do whatever we are supposed to do fascinating and what about on the vendor side so i mean when you look at your vendors as part of your resiliency um again a two-day thing is quite different from a two-month thing did you have to go and sort of assess vendor stability to make sure your critical applications will be supported should you need them? Tell us a little bit more about that process. Uh, I'm not actually engaged in that effect uh, uh, initiative, but uh, we have a vendor management office. They're actively working on those, like uh, uh, working with critical vendors. It may be Microsoft. It it may be some other infrastructure related. uh, uh, Working with them on what is a critical support they need to do. Like, for example, we need to increase the internet bandwidth so we can uh, support more VPN traffic. So how do you negotiate with AT&T, Verizon, or whoever it may be? Uh, so it is a constant process and adjusting it, negotiating it. Uh, I think uh, they're doing a fantastic job, like our internal teams, uh, they're doing a fantastic job in doing whatever it needs to be. So everybody is uh, continued to be productive and uh, we keep the same momentum going. Interesting. So um, let's talk a little bit about the future. Um, you know, this, uh, as I've had done other podcasts along these lines, oftentimes I get the sentiment that the, the, the pandemic and the quarantine uh, are sort of an accelerant or a catalyst to things that were already away or underfoot, but just made things happen quicker. So tell me, how do you think this change um, 
the workforce in the future in terms of work at home policies and also tell me how you think it changed the, the fundamentals of architecture and what architect, architects and enterprise architects are going to be thinking about more post-COVID-19 than perhaps they thought about before. Uh, I think, you know, it, it, it fundamentally uh, changes some of the core components and emphasize certain things a lot more than what we used to be in the past. So to par- uh, first part of your question, coming to work from home, I think uh, uh, it, once we used to think, hey, for doing agile, you need to have all the people in the same room or in the same floor. Now uh, that may change the ba- barriers a little bit. So in the same way, uh, you may see a lot more work from home, uh, at least in the near term, and eventually something may linger in, uh, linger in the long term, I'm assuming. So the second part is around uh, architecture. I think uh, architecture plays a critical role uh, in uh, defining and uh, architecting and designing uh, future products with resilience, business continuity, uh, availability, and fault tolerance as part of staples rather than after the fact. I think that is a huge shift uh, with a lot more emphasis. It is not that we are not talking about it in the past, but uh, now we have a real good use case to push it even more. And uh, uh, if whenever something happens, those are the things are cut. Hey, you know, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You know, uh, now it is part of, hey, we need to do it as a part of a re- regular build. It's, it's a part of regular release. And many other things come to mind, uh, like uh, performance management. So uh, it, what I have seen is uh, with, with the digital becoming the forefront and it is sometimes maybe the only venue to fulfill certain services because you know so, uh, we, uh, the cost, call centers may not be performing at the, at the same level or we do not have other capabilities working at the same level. Uh, you may see a lot more traffic coming into our uh, services and applications. So designing applications, architecting them for high availability and high performance uh, with high load, uh, it, it should be taken very seriously. And uh, we need to tune and design our systems to uh, for the high uh, volume. So I think uh, there will be a lot more emphasis there. And next thing comes to mind is around uh, uh, self-support. Uh, you know, it is not like you can just talk to a person in the next door or, you know, another floor or uh, uh, whom you meet with them or, uh, you know, hallway conversations or external users uh, picking up a phone and calling somebody. Those things may change. We may uh, we may need to look into how effectively we can provide self-service or self-support. Maybe it may be as simple as uh, putting a very detailed help uh, pages or it can be a uh, futuristic providing AI-based chatbot where you type in a question and it is uh, uh, giving responses based on uh, some of the algorithms they may have. I have seen certain companies already doing it. I think that may expand even more. Uh, So we we can do the self-service and reduce the manual effort. Uh, On the similar uh, similar point, automation uh, is another thing we, we need to continue to focus on instead of uh, uh, relying on manual data loads or uh, copying data from one place to another place, having a really solid uh, uh, platform for uh, data management and having a good master data management, uh, having uh, a good automation. So uh, we don't rely on a fleet of testers, 
um, and uh, having an effective uh, CACD practice so we, we can uh, build those things very quickly. Uh, so the irony is during these times, we may need to do some business uh, capability changes or business model changes very quickly to adapt to the situation. Uh, either, it can, uh, either it is uh, changing uh, how we take the payments or uh, uh, how we simplify certain process so more users can access it. So those things need uh, code changes. Those things need application changes. Having automation helps us reduce the risk and uh, increases the agility. So uh, those are the things very much important, but cannot be done overnight. So we need to plan for them. We need to invest in them. Um, another thing uh, jumps to mind is uh, uh, having a really a good understanding on technical debt. So uh, it, it is very important to know our as these uh, uh, application and uh, process and system uh, capabilities. It is equally important, if not more, uh, than uh, putting a roadmap and strategy. I think both are equally important if uh, it depends on which situation you are in. Without knowing where you are, what are your capabilities, what are your pain points, understanding the technical debt, it is hard to manage and work around them. Um, so I think uh, some of those comes to mind. And uh, like I was saying before, architecting and designing systems with the minimal uh, point of failures, having a good uh, dependency understanding and reducing the dependencies and reducing the complexities, having a system which is uh, self-healing, uh, 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 have a good uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, fault tolerance capabilities are really, really good. I know Amrit is a big fan of business capability maps, and so you could imagine a whole new way in which business capabilities are assessed. You might assess a business capability in regards to its vulnerability to a low probability, high impact event like the COVID-19, or you might assess a business capability as ripe for exploring for net new technologies. Because one of the things you said there to enable this, this new world we might live in of remote work, it's not just about scaling existing technologies, it's about investigating net new technologies because there's certain things you just can't do when you're, you're working from home that you could naturally do like walk down the hall and ask the IT guy for support. Now that doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't happen anymore. Um, so that's, uh, that's fascinating. And it sounds like, you know, you've got your work cut out for you as you, uh, as you go forward and, uh, you, and you joined just recently Amron as well. So as director of enterprise architecture and resiliency, pretty much straight into the deep end. This wasn't a tabletop exercise, right? This was the real yeah, thing. That is right. You know, I, I I think there is a lot to what you just said. Um, I think there is a, a lot of areas in, at Amran. Uh, in certain areas, there is a lot of progress already done. Uh, uh, we had uh, digital transformation going on. There is a lot of investment coming in, uh, modernizing systems, modernizing practices, modernizing some of the tools and capabilities. Uh, I think uh, we, uh, we paved our path moving into cloud. Uh, that is helping quite a bit and more paving the path on building a really solid uh, CACD uh, platform in certain areas that is helping us. Uh, we are embracing Agile uh, in certain pockets that is helping. So I think uh, uh, trying to see where it is happening really good and replicating it across and understanding some of the technical debts we have and putting a really good process around them to move to the next level. Uh, understanding some of our critical monolith systems and how do we modularize, de 
componentize. So we move to a more modular uh, fault tolerant high available systems. I think like, like you were saying before, uh, there is another component, which is people. Uh, it is systems and also people. Uh, I think uh, it is equally important to build a, a great culture and people uh, uh, with the right amount of autonomy and uh, a, a right level of cross-training, engagement and ownership that helps quite a bit in these kind of situations. Uh, and uh, yeah. So Kishore, fascinating story. Thanks for sharing and spending some time with us. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? Uh, some of the thoughts come to mind is uh, uh, this is not a overnight thing. It needs to have uh, a strong leadership. I want to thank uh, uh, the leadership at Amrand uh, for putting a, a disciplined strategy to get there. Uh, it, it, it is. It needs a leadership from uh, top down who has a strong will and vision and uh, on, on the grounds, people who understand the vision and execute it. So th those are all needed. We're all in this together to execute it and have a really strong foundation and a fantastic feature so we can provide resiliency and availability in, in long term. Well, wise words indeed. Well, I, 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 look, I, I want to thank you for your time today. And um, I think that was a fascinating journey across how uh, yet another organization. I've spoke to banks, I've spoke to pharmaceuticals, I've spoken to retailers, and I'm seeing common themes come out time and time again. And yours is, is similar as well. And I do believe that yeah, many enterprise architects are now going to be not retasked, but their, their, their roles are going to be extended to start considering you know, how organizations remain agile and respond to these kind of events in the future. So I want to thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed the conversation. I wish you the very best. I hope you keep them safe. And uh, I've now added to that these days as we've been at home for several weeks. I hope you keep them safe and I hope you keep them sane as well. And uh, one, one day we'll, we will meet up at a trade show, I'm sure, in real life. And I look forward to that day as well. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. You know, it is a, a fantastic opportunity to share some of my thoughts. And uh, best of luck to you and uh, be safe. For sure. Thank you very much. Bye now. Thanks. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kishore and seeing how quickly Amran was able to adapt their resiliency processes to accommodate this previously unforeseen extended work from home scenario caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and Kishore's views on how architecture is going to fundamentally change going forward. For more podcasts, blogs, and recorded webinars, please visit us at www.bizdesign.com where there is a wealth of information available. And if you'd like to tell your EA story and feature on this podcast, then please email me, Will Scott, at podcast at bizdesign.com. Bizdesign is a leader in the area of enterprise architecture software and services and supports enterprise architecture teams in delivering value to their organization with a key focus on the value outcomes of accelerating business strategy, optimizing operations, and reducing risk. Thank you for your time.